Hello everybody, this is Father Michael. Praise be Jesus Christ. We're going to continue our Theology of the Body mini-series. This is going to be Talk 202. And as I ended the last talk, I mentioned Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32. Just read that briefly now. Listen to the Word of God. Holy Spirit, fill our minds and hearts with the light we need to see. The wrath of God is indeed being revealed from heaven against every impiety and wickedness of those who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For what can be known about God is evident to them because God made it evident to them. Ever since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what He has made. As a result, they have no excuse. For although they knew God, they did not accord Him glory as God or give Him thanks. Indeed, they became vain in their reasoning and their senseless minds were darkened. Okay, just going to pause there for a minute. That was uh, 18 to 21. Now, if you look at that, it talks about the wrath of God, okay, um, against all those who are um, living in piety or wickedness, suppressing the truth. So what is he saying? He's saying, you know, how God himself, his, God's justice and wrath is built into uh, his design. And what I mean by that is you can't live contrary to your design, like if a car is driven contrary to the design it's given, it will fall apart. It won't last as long. And so as humans, we're body and soul. So if we um, direct our bodies contrary to God's design for them, we're going to experience uh, the destruction of, of our created being, meaning we're going we're gonna to fall apart. You know, we're going to uh, get sickness, we're going to get illness, we're going to get disease. It's kind of like, you know, if you eat and eat and eat foods you shouldn't be eating and you get uh, heart disease, well, again, you made choices contrary to your design. So, again, it's just a simple example. Um, you know, we can't drink down rubbing alcohol or we can't drink down uh, uh, um, uh, window cleaner. Like, we're not designed for that, right? Just like you can't put diesel in a gas engine. There's a reason. Why? Because the design. <coughs> the design is, is for a purpose. So he's saying here that, you know, God's wrath is revealed against those who, um, uh, who are living in piety and wickedness, suppressing the truth by their wickedness. So instead of making God's word flesh, we're making uh, lies flesh. Meaning we're enfleshing, um, instead of enfleshing the truth, we're enfleshing wickedness. And so it says here, you know, for what can be known about God is evident to them. Meaning, it says from the beginning of the world, from the creation of the world, you know, we can perceive. Like, we got this intellect and our reason. We have the reason, you know, we can see, okay, a tree and what a tree needs to flourish and grow. We could look at our human bodies as male or female and, and just simply look and observe, okay, there's a purpose, there's a design, there's a plan. Um, and, and God has created women to be mothers, uh, men to be fathers. Um, there's a design for us, right? And so he says here, you know, that this design that we can perceive and understand with our reason and this is what we would call the natural law, right? Where we can use our intellect to reflect on the created world and make sense of it. 
you can, we can intellect out of it, meaning we can take out of what we observe uh, the design and cooperate with it or not, okay? Now, this is way bigger than we, we might think it is, right? Again, what are we talking about here? We're talking about, you know, our serving the great mystery. It's way bigger than us. The mystery, you know, we're being called to service, it's stamped into us. So again, this heightened, we need to pray the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit's the light that gives us awareness of the created world and God's purpose and design for it. If you go back to Genesis and you look at how God created the world, think about it. He put a, he put a roof on it. That's the sky. He put carpeting. That's the grass. He did landscaping. That's the plants and the trees. Um, he provided food. Um, he gave us pets, the animals. He built oceans, um, like big swimming pools. Um, he built um, into the ceiling. He put lights, the sun, the moon, the stars. Um, so if you, if you look at all this, God did all this. He built a house. And just like a home, if you don't take care of it, it falls apart. And the same thing with us. He put us in the house to be stewards of this house, to live in this house, and to glorify Him with our bodies you know, glorify Him with our bodies. Meaning what? Live according to the beauty and design and plan of God through your masculine or feminine body. And so it's saying here, while claiming to be wise, they became fools. What does that mean? It says, they became vain in their reasoning. Senseless minds were darkened. Remember I said in one of the earlier talks about how one of the, the effects of original sin is our intellects darkened, and our will is weakened. Let's just think about that a moment. Our intellect is darkened and our will is weakened. So what's a practical example of that? I kind of gave one earlier in one of the other talks, but if you just think about this, if I can't see the greater good, I'm not going to be able to choose the greater good. Okay? So what's the greatest good? God. Okay, but faith enlightens my intellect to see that God is the greater good. And if I could see God as the greater good, I'm going to choose God as the greater good. But if I see my computer or my favorite television show as the greater good, if that's my, the, the extent of my ability to see the television, then I'm going to choose that good. If I see uh, food as the greater good, then I'm going to choose food, okay? So we always got to be asking, what's the greater good? And see, the challenge is, again, this is how we're tempted, right? Is Satan presents lesser goods, and we end up making them false gods. So he presents food or a computer or a television program when we haven't maybe prayed or gone to confession or been to Mass, and we, we start to choose these lesser goods, and we replace God. We substitute them all for God. And that's what the sin of idolatry is, which many people think of idolatry as like bowing down to some, you know, wooden carved statue or something or some golden calf. But really, in all honesty, idolatry is when we give more of our time, talent, and treasure to the temporal things of this world rather than to God. So maybe we all need to right now repent and have, Lord, have mercy on us for our idolatry. And, and the closest good we have to God is our body, our sexuality. 
And why do I say that? Because of all the analogies in the created world, it's the human body that reveals the mystery of God the greatest. So if you were an enemy of God, what would you attack? The body. Well, if you step back and look at our world, what is most desecrated and denigrated? Porn. Pornography. What is it? It's the attack on sex. The holy sacredness of sex. Sex, again, is not a verb. It's not what you're doing. It's who you are. Meaning, I'm man, or she's woman. Man and woman. We're created, as Genesis says, we're created in His image and likeness. God desires that we express and reveal the heavenly mystery through our bodies in the world. Okay? We only live a short time, so you only got so much time to do this on earth, okay? Now, you will have a glorified body in heaven, but while on earth, if you're called to be, say, a religious sister, you are called to be a sign in the visible world that you're married to Christ as a religious sister or as a religious brother, perhaps. You're called to be a sign in the world that you're married to the church, just as a priest or a bishop or the pope. If you're called to the sacrament of holy matrimony, then you're called to be this sign this visible sacramental sign in the world that life on earth should point to heaven. Think of marriage. So we're all called to marriage. Like I'm a priest. I'm called to a heavenly marriage, meaning I forego earthly marriage and I'm now married to the church. I'm, I have a heavenly marriage. And when a married couple looks at me, they might ask the question, well, Father, you know, isn't it hard not being married or having your own children? Or, you know, like, again, that's because... When people ask that question, you know, not to be, you know, an idiot or anything, but like they don't understand their marriage. Okay, so when they look at me as a priest, they should be reminded that their marriage should look like a heavenly marriage, meaning Christ in the church, the new Adam and the new Eve. And when I look at them, I'm, I'm, I'm called to remember that I need to enflesh my heavenly marriage on earth as they're doing. You see? So marriage between a man and woman on earth is complementary to marriage between a priest and the church or a sister in Christ on earth. That's what John Paul II would call virginity or celibacy for the sake of the kingdom. Again, it's, it's a priest or a religious sister or a religious brother or whatever, or reminding those on earth of the greater, greater good which is what? Heaven. So don't make your husband or wife an idol because your husband or wife is not going to be Jesus or God to you 100%. They're sinners. So don't make marriage an idol. I've talked to many young people, especially young women who are looking and looking and looking for a spouse. But the danger in that is you start to really misplace marriage, meaning you you start to make marriage the determiner if you're going to be happy or not. Like you start to think that if I'm not married, I'm never going to be happy. The fact of the matter is, that's a lie. Because marriage is a form of service. It's not, yes, it, it is a walking out of our vocation. And I'm not saying it can't bring us happiness. But marriage doesn't make me happy. Just as the priesthood doesn't make me happy. What makes me happy is knowing my father. And if I know my father, I can live out my priesthood or live out the marriage in a way that's going to glorify God, okay? 
So don't make an idol out of marriage. And anyhow, if you get married with that attitude, your spouse is going to go nuts because you're going to expect from them God. And there's only one God. And your husband or wife is not God. So you need to maybe get over that right now. Maybe you need to repent of that, that you made your spouse an idol. Often if you get angry in your marriage, be be aware like your anger in your marriage toward your spouse is often because you're being unrealistic. You're, you're expecting, you're putting a... Um, a demand on that person that only God can fulfill. And maybe you need to go and do a holy hour right now. Maybe you need to go pray instead of making an idol out of your husband or wife or your kids for that matter. So we all need to repent, whether it be priests, religious brothers or sisters. This is a call to have a new vision. And it's challenging. So as it says here, I continue, it says, they, they while claiming to be wise, they became fools. What does that mean? They began to worship creatures rather than the creator listen it says they exchanged the glory of the immortal god for the likeness of an image of mortal man meaning they they didn't see their intellect was dark and they didn't see god anymore as an important part of their happiness they saw god as an option or whip de doo i can make it up when i want how i want i can make happiness and satisfy myself as he says they're replacing god for mortal men birds four-legged animals snakes Meaning they're, they're making these things more important, like the golden calf, right? Then it says, Therefore God handed them over to impurity through the lust of their hearts for the mutual degradation of their bodies. So see, God handed them over. He says, you want to choose that, I'll let you choose that because I, I'm, I'm, I gave you free will. But you're going to find that you're going to actually fall apart if you live that way. If you live out what you're attempting to, to live, you're going to experience a lot of my wrath, my pain. The justice of God is built right into our design. It says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and revered and worshipped the creature rather than the creator. Okay? Therefore, God handed them over to their degrading passions. Now listen. Their females exchanged natural relations for unnatural, and their males likewise gave up natural relations with females and burned with lust for one another. Males did shameful thing with males, thus received in their own person the due penalty for their perversity. Okay? What are we seeing today in our world? We're seeing this glorification of same-sex marriage. We're seeing the glorification of what is literally... uh, uh, a, a, a total um, abomination to God. See, we don't realize how sick sin makes God. Like, if you ever had the flu, the word abomination in the Bible, when it says that, it says you make God want to vomit. Right? You make God so sick. And what is he saying? He's saying you're living in a way that totally desecrates Christ's love for the church. And this goes for not just couples with the same-sex you know, orientation, but this goes with couples that are um, living uh, outside of marriage in a sexual way or even contraception, um, um, in vitro fertilization, uh, um, sterilization. All these things are an abomination to God. Why? Because, see, again, we're blind. Your intellect is, our intellects are so dark and our wills are so weak. We choose... Like, you know, you see a bag of potato chips and we just choose it. But we don't think about the consequences of eating this regularly. You know, a couple of things. Well, you know, yeah, we're going to get married 
everything's going to be great. Um, we don't want to work on maybe natural family planning because we're afraid. We want to make we want to control our own lives, and we don't want to trust God. And again, they might not say that outwardly directly, but bottom line, that's the case. <clears throat> and you know, it should, this talk probably might make you a little more uncomfortable, which is probably good, right? The gospel should make you a little bit angry. If the gospel's not making you angry, you're probably not really listening with your heart. You're probably like making excuses, which we all can do really well, right? So, for example, contraception, what's it do? It's, it's saying, God, no. No, we're not open to life. We're going to be in control, not you. And so, some might say, what's the difference between contraception and natural family planning? Well, that's like saying, what's the difference between letting grandma die naturally and shooting grandma in, in the head? You know, contraception is us taking charge. Um, natural family planning is letting things, letting nature and God's design take its course. And with the science we have today, um, there's really no excuse um, why couples can't grow in, in knowledge of their fertility um, and fertility awareness um, and basically grow in an understanding of why God gave them fertility. Go back to your roots, right? We go back to Genesis. The first blessing was fertility. God bless them. Be fertile and multiply. So we're saying, no, God, we want to do our things our way. We don't want to uh, have sharing our life with others right now. We want to live it up to the full and, and not have to worry about the inconvenience, perhaps, of children. Or we don't want to be stretched. Um, basically, what was Satan's cry? I will not serve. And so whether you're a priest, a brother, sister, a religious, a married person, we all got to wrestle with our sin of, of pride, which I won't serve. I'll do it my way, not your way. Okay? So just briefly here, we'll continue this uh, Romans verse before we close. Um, I know this one's a little longer. Sorry. It says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God handed them over to their undiscerning minds the due penalty for their perversity. And since they did not see, or says, says they are filled with every form of wickedness, evil, greed, malice, full of envy, murder, rivalry, treachery, and spite. They're gossip, scandal mongers. They hate God. Isn't it interesting? Like, we have this idea that we can like make God like our sinfulness. Like, let's celebrate um, and have a, you know, think about gay pride. Let's have a, a day of pride in um, living this way because God loves us all. You know, we believe in love. We see all these things. It's like, come on, let's think about this. Love defined the way I want means there's no cross. I don't have to take up my cross and follow the Lord. I can do what I want. See, if I, if I let God define love, then I'm going to have a cross. I'm going to have to deny myself, you see? So let's not fool ourselves here. <clears throat> For that matter, it's not just, you know, not just talking to the those that might in indulge in same-sex um, relations, but I'm talking about everybody here. Um, those of us who indulge in, in every um, inordinate passion or desire. <clears throat> so it says, although they did not, although they knew, they know the just decree of God, and all who practice such things deserve death, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Think of that. That's what's happening today. Our young people in the schools are more and more being taught that this is normal. That sex outside of marriage isn't so bad. Go to Planned Parenthood's website. I just challenge you. Go to Planned Parenthood's website and read what they're teaching uh, uh, people about sex. 
and it's it's you know brace yourself it's it's horrible it's right from the pits of hell so may almighty god bless you with the courage to not run from god but to have the humility to to listen to this and to be challenged by the gospel in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit